Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Mignot, and this is part of my 29 Days of Magic series where I get to interview a Black woman a day uh, from all walks of life. And today, I'm so excited to have Brianna Gatlin, who's the CEO of uh, Swank PR. It's going to be a great conversation. Take a listen. Hey, Ra, how are you? Hey, how are you? <laughs> oh, you know, just chatting with people. All day, every day, for 28 days straight. <laughs> I love it. Um, so I'm so excited to have you here. So the first question is always the same. I'm always so fascinated by the answer, and they usually always make me laugh. So, Brianna, what was your first job? Um, my Okay, so my first job, you may not be as fascinated by my first job. My first job was actually in journalism. So I would consider my first job when I got to college um, because I worked for this teen newspaper called New Expression. And I started out working there as a teen and I actually ended up going to the school that where the newspaper was actually, uh, where the office was uh, of the newspaper. It was at Columbia College, Chicago. And then I would say, soon as I got out, okay, let me go back. Let me not let me not play. I was the grant writer. That was my first like nine to five. Wow. But, so like, yes. <laughs> OK, did not see this one coming. Yes, I I still consider myself a grant writer. I don't know why, but um, yes, my nine to five, my first job out of college was an actual I was an actual grant writer and I worked for this nonprofit organization called Bethel New Life. And what was interesting was I actually went to the school and I was a byproduct of of the organization, going to the school, participating in the programs. So I went there and I grew up and I went to the church there. And now I was going back to be a grant writer. Um, I think I stayed there, I want to say maybe three to four years, but I raised, I think I raised over $5 million while I was there as the grant writer. Excuse me? <laughs> I had no clue about what I was doing, um, but I had a great mentor at the time who, who had started at the organization, and she was, her name is Mary Nelson. Mary, at the time, I want to say she was probably in her 60s, and I'm in my 20s, and of course, I'm being in my 20s, so of course, I'm going out, hanging out in between my mm-hmm. work days. I, and I, that was the first time I had my own office. Like literally when I came into the, into my job, I had my own office from the beginning, which is not normal now. And so I would go out, hang out and then do my journalism on the side. So I did, I was still doing my journalism uh, thing and I was still writing. I was writing for the source at the time. I was also writing for allhiphop.com and freelancing but I was also a grant writer. So of course, and during the day I was, that was my nine to five. And then, you know, and then at night, if there were assignments that I needed to do, I would, you know, go do them. So sometimes of course, I was still kind of moving around in the industry. You know, I would have a a long night. I remember being (laughs) in my office. (laughs) I remember being in my office, locking the door and taking a nap. Like (laughs) I would never do that now. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, I get it. Sometimes you gotta do it. Yeah, man, it was it was a time. But yes, I was a grant writer. I actually uh, was a grant writer for another. I, th- I want to say 
about 10 years before I fully went into my, my passion. I did grant writing. I went from that to actually starting a magazine. Uh, and I also did, I actually wrote grants for the magazine program. So I was also an after-school teacher that taught journalism. And then I started Swank. <laughs> Already a oh, while. Wow. Okay, did not see the grant writer thing coming at all. <laughs> Okay. I, you know what? Right. I forget about that, and I and I shouldn't. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> All right. So, okay. So we go from grant writing to swank PR. How does that happen? What's that journey like? Well, I'll tell you this. The cool part about it is that it, there's writing throughout my whole journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always into writing. Never thought that I would really have a passion for it, um, but I started out doing poetry in high school and went from poetry to, you know, journalism and 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 also grant writing. And so it was it's it was consistent throughout my life. I would say writing was kind of my anchor of my career, and not kind of it was the anchor for my career because it took me in places that I never thought I would be. And even just even on the grant writing side, I would be so surprised when I would get these, you know, mail, this mail from, you know, the organizations and it'll be a, a huge check in it. And so that was kind of a very satisfying feeling also because it made me realize that I actually made the difference and I did something. Um, the other cool thing is going from grant writing to um, PR was I had to learn how to, I would say, convince or persuade, but I had to learn. It's always about the narrative. If you really look at grant writing and PR, it's still a narrative in both. Mm -hmm. It's still storytelling. Yeah. And so I think for me, I just stuck with that, with that angle. But in between, like I was a grant writer. My last job that I had as a grant writer, I'll never forget it. It was at Deborah's place another nonprofit. And I had, I literally was doing three jobs at once. I was a grant writer at the time. That was my nine to five. I was a after school program teacher teaching journalism at Marshall high school. And I also was writing freelance. So at one point I was doing all three. And then I remember that last, that one, right before I got laid off or fired or whatever, I was like, okay, I'm, I was, I mean, my bank account looked great, but I really did not get a chance to like sit down and and really kind of take in what was going on at the time. Um, I was just kind of on my grind and and I've always been like that. So I never, even as an entrepreneur, I was like, it never changed even after I, you know, got, got like, uh, left my other job. But even when I started directly working with kids and I started teaching them about journalism and really just kind of, you know, giving them a lot of the things that I had learned over time, um, while it was fulfilling, my phone just kept ringing off the hook after a while. And, I need to stop. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and to be honest with you, I ended up starting my business because I, I could not find a job for two years. I looked for a nine to five for two years and collected my unemployment. And, and that's when the economy was bad because o- Obama had just got in office, I think. And jobs were just like no one could find work. And I remember constantly looking and then 
my mom just gave me the money one day to start my own business. And that's literally how I started. Like I started wow. my out of need. I didn't start my business out of like, oh, I want to do this as a hobby. Um, and it started out as a publishing company. So again, it was customized publishing and it was not PR. And I literally didn't realize I had been work- walking in a PR lane the entire time because the magazine I worked for, I would take it around. I would get people to celebrities to take pictures with it. Any interviews I did with my freelance freelancing gigs, I would have my students also interview some of these artists so that they can have them as the cover, you know, on their magazines and whatnot. So I was very big and I was pretty much the face of that magazine because I was the editorial director. And I also created the whole concept of the magazine. They end up doing me kind of bad and didn't put my name on any of the paperwork. And then I, that's how I actually also started Swank PR. So I got kind of kicked out of something, didn't know it, had created this whole brand for it and didn't have any ownership. And so I started my own and that's how I started Swank. Wow. So, I love it. I love it. I love it. And also not surprised at all. So What's Swank P- where does sort of Swank PR sit today? Today, Swank is a public relations agency that was started 15 years ago, actually now. And we do customized public relations. We do strategy. Um, we also kind of do, boot- our, our services are a bit boutique, but but I don't have any type of Um, format of how I, I have a format on how I work with clients, but for me, the niche is really my, one of my niches, my niche is really coming up with really creative campaigns, thinking outside of the box, as far as the perspectives, how to pitch my clients and also just being very uh, custom according to who they are. So if it's a music client, if it's a product, if it's a you know, an event. The whole idea is how many angles can we get pressed from if this is what makes you up? So if you are an artist, for instance, what makes you who you are? Because that's another angle versus, hey, if you're a painter or a singer, everyone knows that about you. Okay, so that's great. But what are some things that people would never think they know about you that will also be of interest or that we can also pitch to make this more of a creative fit for these other out of the box media outlets? Because everyone's, when it comes to PR, clients come to you and they say, hey, I want this, this, this. They usually name the same publications. They all name ones. My thing is always, well, what's going to make you stand out from any other person? And so what I do is I study my clients a little bit more. I get into who they are. And that's been working for me for a really long time because I've, I, I, I spend time with them. I learn who they are. I don't just, you know, do the cookie cutter PR that everyone else does. And it really makes a huge difference. And a lot of them take that and they run with the brand. I, I could give you one quick example. I had a client who he's, he was a rapper. But he went to, uh, what is it, UPenn? Which one is the Ivy League? Is it Penn State or UPenn? I can't remember. UPenn. Okay, so he, he went to UPenn. He, he managed hedge funds. I mean, just very, very smart. And he, was a, he's also, he also was an artist. So the pandemic hit. We had just started working together. And 
he was like, you know, I want to get my music out and X, Y, and Z. And I said, listen, I said, people actually need financial insight right now. I say, you went to school for it. You know what to do. You're huge in the stocks and bonds where you have a, you have a column on revolt. I'm like, this is your lane. And he ran with it. And we ended up getting him, you know, some, some gigs with the NBA. We got him some stuff with Bank of America, um, SoFi. So there was those angles that I don't think he was thinking about, but we literally took his whole brand and we switched it up because again, in this day and age, there's so much music that comes out. What is it about you that's going to make it different? And so for him, that was the angle we picked. And even now he has a huge following because of that. And so, you know, I, I know that it works. It's worked for me several times, but those are the stories, you know, and the testimonials that I can really say like that makes my my PR company at least a lot different from others. Wow, that's such an interesting approach. Um, what's been the what's been like the, the challenge where you thought, okay, there's no way we're figuring this out, and then you did. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> let me see. I want to say. Wow, that's a good one. That is a really good <laughs> question. No, because I'm I'm thinking of like recent things that I feel like we're like, no, you can't do this. So okay. I would say so I re, I work with Zenny Optical. And oh, this is a great I love one. them. So I work, yeah, I I've, I've been working with Zenny for the last two years. And they're one of my premier clients, and they work with the Chicago Bulls. Um, they have a huge presence in Chicago and I do just, I, I work with them on the Bulls and Coco and Breezy, a couple other accounts. So when the pandemic hit and all the George Floyd, you know, stuff happened, they were like, we feel like we need to say something. And I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> because a lot of these companies who had never taken a stand decided that they felt this need. Now would be a time for this. And I'm like, you guys can make a statement, but I would say don't do anything else. Should we donate? No. Do, what you guys haven't you been doing? that. Don't do it because something has happened. I say you guys have to do something that is naturally organic to your brand. And so they were coming up with all these ideas. And the person I work with on the PR team. She came to me and she said, hey, I got this deck and we need to, we have to present it to the to the owner, uh, to the CEO. And I was like, OK, she said, can you just, you know, drop in some ideas? And so we started spitballing and um, I told her, I said, how about you guys just give our glasses in the hood? I so said, simple. Do it. You know, this is a thing. It's like, do the thing you're good at. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Don't read anything. Exactly. And I told him, I said, listen, there are so many people that need glasses in bad neighborhoods, especially in the black community. I said, you got a lot of elderly people who need them. You got kids who can't afford to buy them. I said, you even have kids and families who don't have computers to even order these glasses online because you guys are online based. So how do you get past that barrier? What's the barrier? The barrier is 
they don't have access either to the glasses. They can't order them or they can't afford them. Even if you guys have affordable glasses, how do they order them online if they don't have a computer? And so exactly the idea that that was the idea she took and she added it to, to the plan. And out of all the ideas that got pitched, that was the one that the CEO decided to go with. Wow. I so, love it. And so how was it? Um, so we're still working on it. The program is called Framing the Future. Um, we started working on it directly. I came on board because of that program, because originally it was for the Chicago Bulls. And it was a partnership with the Chicago Bulls that we did with the nonprofit on their nonprofit side of going to different park districts and doing different activities with the kids, also giving out glasses, sometimes having an optometrist on site to, you know, get their glasses or, you know, check their eyes. I, it, you know, so they're all about eye health, but that was the idea, like going back to when you said like one of the most difficult things, I think a lot of people don't understand you know, again, being a black woman and speaking to some of these, you know, companies who they don't have a lot of representation in in the inside sometimes. So they kind of feel like, hey, what do we do? Or we feel the need to. And I think you need people like me and you to say, hey, no, do what you are already doing. Just fulfill a need that you're all that you have already, which is people need glasses. Or people need these things and do what you do best. Don't try to make a stance. Don't do any of that. Do something that's going to matter to you and to those people that you're really, you know, that's going to benefit from that. So, yeah. You know, the, oh my gosh, that's, that's what we talk about all the time with our clients and saying, listen, if this is not your lane, then you going to make some grand statement isn't going to help anybody. But if you use your powers for good yeah. and direct them to the communities that need them, you can do so much more lasting and meaningful impact. Like when I think about like, I'm blind as a bat. And <laughs> so, I, so I work contacts 99% of the time. Um, but like when I'm home, um, I actually have next to my bed, my Zenny glasses. Wow. <laughs> and like, because, because a friend of mine during, because it was, it was, I discovered them during the pandemic because like I wasn't going anywhere, obviously, because like, we're not going, I'm not going out, but my glasses that I did have at home broke. And I was like, okay, well, there's no eye doctor for me to go to. I'm out of contact lenses. Everything is delayed to get getting wow. anything. And I was telling my friend about it. And I was like, you know, it's like funny. It's a good thing that my TV is pretty big because otherwise I wouldn't be able to watch TV because like, I literally can't see without my glasses. And <laughs> and he's like, have you heard of Zenny? And I'm like, no. And he's like, they're like six dollars for gray glasses. I'm like, what? I'm like, yeah. uh, that, that that's a scam. And he's like, no, 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 it's for real. And so he's my friend who always finds like a good deal. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I go on a website and I'm like, oh, I'm buying three of these. <laughs> so I bought like a pair of sunglasses a regular pair of glasses and like a nicer pair um and they were there in about a week, less than a week and i had paid like 30 dollars for three pairs of glasses and i'm like what in the world is this yes and yes. you know but I, I think about me as someone who obviously you know had a degree of privilege obviously and mm -hmm. how like that's game changing because my ability to order that from my phone and come yeah. to my house um but the fact that like you then 
directing your powers for good into places where people might not be able to do that because, you know, lots of people forget that the rest of parts of this country don't have access to the internet unless they're at their library. So to directing what you do really well to communities that need it right this very second does me look i think of when you're a little kid and if you can't see your school board or if you can't see the screen when you're doing virtual learning what it means to be able to get a pair of glasses like that's a such a meaningful and lasting impact that goes far beyond that check that you wanted to write yes absolutely and that's that was the main thing that i wanted to get you know tell them like it's amazing how you can make an impact just giving someone glasses and the change that it'll have even on them. Like that's what people are going to remember. That's how they're going to remember the brand. Like they're not going to remember like that you wrote that check five years ago for half a million dollars. But like that kid who who was you know so summer of twenty twenty got a pair of glasses and was actually able to be ready for school in the fall. Yeah, um, and be able to learn on the, on the little iPad that they had um, to be learning on, and so that kid did not fall behind, mm-hmm. um, and was able to graduate and get the junior high and get the, get the high school and then go to college and like who that kid could become one day, like yeah. there's there's your impact, um, and I'm I'm so glad to hear that they took your advice. <laughs> I'm, I was super excited about it. And I was just kind of like, you know, again, a lot of these things that we we always try and make so huge. It's like, oh, we need five people to come up with this. And it's like, no, sometimes keeping it simple, you know, for me, again, like going back to the career side, I've always been that person that's always like, hey, what makes up who you are? But it it it, it translated even to that point, like, what do you do already, Zinni? Okay, you have glasses. Give these kids who cannot afford glasses, glasses. Do something that that makes up who your personality is and who your brand is and what your brand is. So um, I've been able to really put my, my, um, my spin on things with that. And I think even on my end, when it comes to the clients, the clients appreciate it because it makes them feel like you really know me. And it's not even like I'm making them feel like anything, but I take the time to really understand my clients before I just make a, a smart, a, a quick decision about, you know, how to frame out who they are or what strategies we're going to use or what approach is, is, is the easiest. Because a lot of times it's the, my theory is always keeping it simple. Yeah, it, you don't have to worry about the wheel. You really don't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, so thinking back on all the work that you've done over the past, you know, decades of your experience, what do you think you'd tell 18-year-old Brianna? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what I would tell 18-year-old Brianna is to save as much money as you can. <laughs> um, focus on not taking things so personal and getting emotional about things you cannot control professionally. And I probably would have told 18-year-old Brianna to start therapy immediately. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, I can't, I can't even, I, you are so right on all, on both of those counts. It's like, yes, therapy is your friend. Do not yes. shy away. And also save your money. <laughs> Man, <laughs> those two things, I would have been so further along than I am now, even though, you know, you learn and it's never too late and you hear that. But if you, I mean, we all have those moments where we're like, crap, if I was doing this before, about 10 years ago, I would be so much further ahead. So, you know, it is what it is. But yes, 18-year-old me was cool. Like, I wasn't a typical 18-year-old either. I knew what I wanted at 18. So it was not that I didn't know what I wanted as far as on my career side. I was very focused. I knew when I graduated what school, school or schools I was going to, what I was going to school for. And so that the cool part about that at that time for me is that I really did know what I wanted to do. So if you want to count my my me from 18 to now, I've been in media the entire time. So I've been in media almost going over 20 years at this point. I'm 25 at least. So I'm just I'm just grateful that I was one of those, you know, younger people that knew exactly what I wanted to do. Um and again, we don't have it together at 18. So you don't expect everything to be like absolutely right. I definitely enjoyed my life, especially at that time. But I definitely wish I would have, you know, had a couple things tweaked at that time. Yeah, you live, we learn, and we figure it out along the way. And you know, if someone listening can, you know, take that take that advice to heart, then I think that's the best we can do with that and and inspire our our next generations to not make the mistakes that we did. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you do all this great work. You have all these amazing clients. So what does Brianna do for Brianna? What do you do for yourself here? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. I am a, <laughs> I love self-care. And me and you, I think we've had these conversations. <laughs> um, I love doing things on the weekend for self-care. So I have my rituals. So I go to acupuncture every other week. And the hardest part is making time for some of these things. But Saturdays, I'm usually like free. If I'm home, if I'm in Chicago and I'm chilling and I don't have too much happening, like last week, I went and got a massage on Saturday and I hadn't had one since the year started. And oh my gosh, I was like, what is your problem? You should have did this a <laughs> month ago. <laughs> like, wait a minute, hold on. Well, Hold up, wait a minute. One thing I will say is like, I think once you start doing self-care, you can literally feel the difference when you when you kind of take a step back and you kind of forget or you, you know, you skip a week or you skip a month, you're like, something's different. <laughs> so I I get massages on a regular basis. I am also an avid traveler. I love to travel. I am a uh, spa girl as well. So sometimes I'll go to the, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, what is it? The Korean spas and sit, go get in the different baths, you know, in the pools and the, the minerals and sit there and soak. And so I love doing that. Um, I also just recently started doing Peloton um, oh, and I actually oh. like it. I like it. So it's been super relaxing for me, um, at least after. <laughs> and after after yeah, after, after. <laughs> but it's been like really cool to do that 
but I would say, and then of course, shopping, I would, wouldn't call self-care, but I would say for every woman it is, <laughs> but no, it is actually a good thing. You know why we have to, like, we can't yes. put off, we can't put it off anymore. Uh, and yes. I'm a firm believer in doing it. Like buy retail yourself this stuff. Like, don't put it off. Yes. It's retail therapy is good for you. It really is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. But so you're going to go shopping. You say that again. I'm sorry. Uh, traveling is your is your is your where's your where's your favorite spot so far? Or you that you're gonna go you've gone to? Um, I don't know what my favorite spot is yet. I have so many to visit. I rem- wait. You <laughs> told me about one. Uh, yes, um, the Miraval one. Yeah. Yes. The Miraval. Like, yes, I feel like that might be in the top. If once I, whenever I get to that place in my life when I can go, but you will. I I am I am a spa girl, so. If, if I had to say my favorite right now, I'll tell you my most memorable recent experience. I went to this spa right before, like, like the day before, like everything shut down for Christmas. And I had a salt scrub out of this world. Oh my God. Listen, I probably did not. I, I have never like, so relaxed in my life. Oh my God. And it was literally five minutes from my house. And look at that. I mean, I I think I was I started telling my friends, like, you need to go here. I'm like, you guys need to go here. I'm like, I don't care what you're doing, you need to go. And that was one of those, like, it was so worth the money. Oh my gosh. It was so worth it. So yeah, it was in December and it was like after a long year of craziness. So I said my self-care routine is like it's if it's not every weekend. It's every other week, at least. You got to do it because you just, I'm a firm believer. If you don't do it, when, like, what are you doing? Like we have to, like I could do that first and whatever that looks like, but find some time to put yourself first. You just have to. It feels good to do that. I, I think for me specific, I think again, like black women, we probably are the most stressed species on the planet. <laughs> And everybody, you know, we, we carry so much of everyone else's responsibility, so much weight, and we really do have to make the effort to take care of ourselves. And I had to learn that as I got older. And then when you're in the field of taking care of people, like it weighs on you, you know, and you have to be able to, to set time aside, like sometimes my self-care may be in the form of, hey, I'm going to do the first hour I get up, I'm meditating. I'm not going to get on the computer. I'm not getting on the phone. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm going to just make sure that I breathe <laughs> and I'm, and I'm able important. to release. So, you know, there's so many different ways, I think, now of how to, to create those moments where you really may need self-care because sometimes you can't get to the spot immediately. Sometimes you can't get to those places. So, we have to just practice it even at home, you know, and we got to have boundaries. And I think that's something that we're learning. And I'm saying that as, as women, because I, again, we've been, you know, known to be these people, oh, you can carry the world on your back. I don't want to carry the world on my back. I don't nope, think no, there's you. anyone in the world who wants to do that. So I think we've, we're all starting to learn our boundaries and we're learning when we have to take breaks and really say, okay, I don't have the capacity for it. I'm not going to do it. 
it's it, you know Noah's is the sentence <laughs> and we have to remember that Noah's is a sentence uh and even if it even if we think it's going to be hard that we force it no we've got to say no and we got to okay how do we rest ourselves and put ourselves in a position for success to mm-hmm. live and to breathe and you know you know, it's part of, again, it's part of the reason why I, I do this every year now. And, you know, the self-care question has always been the question because if you tell me that you can't figure out something for self-care, okay, I have about, I'm now about 80 Black women who come up with different things that they can say are, I've been thinking for self-care. Pick one mm-hmm. um, and do it and stick to it because you have to put yourself first. And if you don't, you won't be here. You just won't. Yeah. And it and it can take in any shape or form. So retail therapy, real like psychologist therapy, coaching, sleeping, breathing, meditating, going to the spa, whatever it is, you just have to do something for yourself every week. Um, I'm such a nicer person now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, I don't cut people's heads off anymore. I. I used to, like, I could give you a look and then that'll be the end of you. I don't have that anymore. So, like, like, you know why? Because I get a massage every month. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. And that's easy one, a good one. Like, like <laughs> these things help. It's like, I, I have a coach who's like a therapist that comes in really yep. handy every week. So, without fail, like, these things are important. Yes, they are. So, I, I fully agree with you. That's a last question for you. Do you have a give and or ask of the audience? A give, a, a ask? I would say just support me. Um, follow me on social media in my company. My company is Swank PR, S-W-A-N-K PR. And my personal page is Brianna, B-R-I-A-H-N-A, 3-1 on Instagram, Brianna J on Twitter. Um, and just yeah, support in any any way I can support and share and you know, whatever's going on. Like I'm I'm always about collaborating. So so yeah, I'm I'm one of those people, like I'm always looking for new friends, is in work especially and and just building each other up. That's where I'm at. So that's all I would ask. Awesome. Rubiana, you're just such a light. Can't wait to see you the next time that you're in New York. And I'm sure we'll be at Dumbo House having another cocktail. <laughs> so, well, I will um, definitely be letting you know when I'm on my way there. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, but, you know, you're just so genuine and so delight, and you do just so, such amazing work. And I would encourage everyone to follow and we'll put all the details in our show notes so folks can um, connect with you on all the social medias and see all the really cool work you're doing and you know collaborating because like that's what this is all about like learning from each other doing great work and lifting each other up so thank you so much for being part of 29 days of magic it means so much we were able to get this done thank you and of course you know i love you laura i'll see you so Love you too, girl. (laughs) Uh, And that is our show.